starting a new series called Wow. That was just out on three. So I want to actually say power how you think it should be. One, two, three. Woo! That was good. Power to the people. Yeah. You know, God gives us power. He gives power to his people. And uh, the world likes power. There's no, there's no uh, denying that. The world likes power. People like to be around powerful people, don't they? They like to hang out with powerful people. Just look, just watch the news or, or just watch, if you watch any of those entertainment shows, all these people that have power. Oh, thank you, light. The, the, all these people that have power, other people want to hang out with people that have power so that power can rub off on them. You know, you'll see these guys, they'll have entourages and, and you know, uh, they'll, they'll want people, they want to just hang around people because they think somehow that person with power is going to translate to them. But you see that happen also with, in Jesus' day. Judas wanted to hang out with the most powerful man on the earth who was Jesus Christ. And so for three years he hung out with Jesus thinking that at some point, someday, he was going to handle all the money for the kingdom. That's what he thought. He was the treasurer. He was stealing. He was hoarding money. And he was, he was looking like he was very religious. And the, the very fact was that he was a very selfish, stingy guy that wanted power in the kingdom of God. And when it didn't turn out that the kingdom, the power that he thought it was going to be like, that Jesus was going to be elevated, he was going to have a palace, he decided he would betray, betray Jesus for what? For money, for 30 pieces of silver. When he found out that that didn't work out so good, he just went and hung himself. But, you know, James and John did, too. They wanted to hang out. They wanted power. They, went, they even had their mother come and ask Jesus, uh, can my son sit on your right and your left hand? You know, and they, he was like, that's not for you to say. And, then, and he said that they will. They will drink of the cup, but it's not going to be the, the cup of power that they think they're going to drink from. Because he said, you're, they're going to go through, through some things like I'm going through some things. So if you really want the power of God, listen, we're talking about power this morning. A lot of people don't understand the power of God, and a lot of people don't want the power of God. They just don't want it. Jesus said in Luke 12, 24, 49, And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you, so stay here in the city until the mighty power, say power, the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. You know why I'm saying a lot of everybody wants the power? Because he says, go wait for the power. And when he said that over in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Jesus appeared at one time to over 500 followers. 500 followers between the day he resurrected and the day he ascended was 40 days. Say 40 days. During that 40-day period, he preached the kingdom, and he told them to go wait in Jerusalem for the power to come upon you and be wrapped around you. And so from 500, how many ended up in the upper room? 120 or so. I always have to say that because the Bible says, or so. Somebody like came in the door and went out the door a couple of times. I think it's 120 or so. But there are 120 or so people ended up in the upper room. So you do the math. 500 minus 120 is 380. Say 380. 380 people didn't really want to know about the power that was coming. 380. So we always say, I want the power. God, give me the power. God, I want the power. But not everybody wants the power. You know why? Because you don't know what to do with the power once you get the power. Because there's a responsibility that comes with the power of God. 
So a lot of people go, well, just, I just want to be safe. I don't want the power because if I'm safe, I don't get the power. They don't have, I won't be responsible with the power. And so they don't want to go that extra step. They don't want to go into that extra place. But see, in five weeks, we're celebrating something called Pentecost Sunday. On Pentecost Sunday, that's when the church, it's the day that they came together for the Feast of the Harvest. Well, there was a Feast of the Harvest on that day. There were over 3,000 souls that got saved because the power of God showed up. And that's what we should be about today. We should be about wanting to see God show up in power. But you know what? We don't want, we don't want to get involved because that's going to mess with our own personal, selfish, sinful, sinner centered life. Woo. Isn't that true though? You know, if, if we don't, if we don't exercise, if we don't believe in the gifts and we don't have to operate in the gifts, if we don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, well, it's so much easier just to be a Christian and live a mundane, unpowerful, weak life and call ourselves Christians. When he said, uh, 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 I want you to get the power. Say power. Okay. Are y'all with me? So this next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the power, the power of God in so many different ways in the word of God that he shows us that we can have the manifest power, that we can take on that power. We can be absorbed with that power and we can exercise the power of God that he wants us to exercise. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. We're going to be reading from the Passion Translation again today. Luke chapter 24. How many of you have been on an Emmaus walk? Wow, that's a bunch of you. Well, this is where that story comes from. That's why they call it Emmaus Walk. And I'm telling you, when I know, what I know about the Emmaus Walk is you're empowered when you go to the Emmaus Walk. How many of you were empowered at the Emmaus Walk? Okay. And there's one version for the women, too. What's that called? Emmaus? Okay. Well, I don't know why. There's two men that were walking. Verse 13. Later that Sunday. Okay. When he says later that Sunday, that means the day of his resurrection. Okay. This is Jesus rose from the dead. You can go back and look at it. Two of Jesus' disciples were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a journey of about 17 miles. Now, in your translation, if you have a different one, it might say seven miles. Different versions of it. People say seven, 17. Uh, it was a pretty good walk. All right. They were in the midst of a discussion about all the events of the last few days when Jesus walked up and accompanied them in their journey. They were unaware that it was Jesus walking alongside them. For God prevented them from recognizing him. Now I know it says God prevented them from recognizing him. But how many times do we not recognize when God is walking alongside us? He had a purpose for not revealing himself then. And we'll see that in a minute. But so many times in our lives, we are walking through some things and we just flat out as believers forget that he's walking right there alongside us. I was writing this sentence as I was working on this. The sermon, I was writing this sentence. And I said, so many times I forget, you know, he's walking along right beside us. And he, it's like Jesus tapped me on the shoulder and said, yeah, and I'm watching you write this sermon right now. And I said, you are, aren't you? And it's almost like he said, that's a good one. Now, don't put that, Harold. That's, put that. That's better. Because <laughs> he kind of, he directs me in the, in the words that I speak. 
And so I had to realize and recognize and acknowledge, say acknowledge, that he was right there with me. See, we only want to acknowledge him that he's with us at certain times in our life. Other times we sure don't want to acknowledge that he's there because we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. So somehow we think he's not there. Isn't that just... Verse 17. Jesus said to them, You seem to be in a deep discussion about something. What are you talking about? So sad and gloomy. And they stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, Haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? And Jesus asked, What things? (laughs) Don't you just love Jesus? What things? (laughs) He always wants to dialogue with us. You know, we think, why does he ask these questions? He already knows the answers, but he wants to hear it from us. See, in just two verses, real short two verses there, God shows us how much he cares about us. He knows when you're sad. He knows when you're gloomy. He's walking along beside you. Some of you walked in there this morning. You were sad and you were gloomy. Things in your life weren't working out. Things weren't lining up the way you want them to line up. And you were sad and you're gloomy. And God wants to know about what's going on in your life. Why are you sad and gloomy? But he already knows what's going on in your life. He just wants you to talk to him. He just wants you to talk to him. Says he's our best friend. Some of you will pick up your phone and you will call your best friend. You'll tell him all the blah, blah, blah in your life. But you won't tell Jesus. Verse 19, second part of verse 19. The things, Jesus said, what things? They said the things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were wonderful. He had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. And we had all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. I love the discourse that we read here, that we see the dialogue that's going on between Jesus and these two followers of Christ. And I want to ask you this this morning. Are we sometimes just like that? Oh, we sometimes just like that. We, we go, God, I, oh, I wish you would have showed up at that time in my life. Now, I know you saved me. I know you rescued me from death. I know you healed me that day. I remember that time. I remember when you rescued my children. I remember when you did this in my life. I remember when you did that in my life. That all of a sudden you pray a prayer. The prayer didn't answer. It didn't come, didn't come answer to you the way you thought it would. And you go, well, God, I wish I had hoped you would show up this time too. Right? Don't we do that, human beings? You are human talk. For some reason, we think God is here for us and here for us and here for us, but there, uh-uh, he's not going to be there for me. And we miss him. We miss him when the things don't come the way we want them to come. We miss him that he's there then too and that he cares there then too. And he's working all things together for our good. To them that are called according to his glory. It's for his glory. So you think you're going through something this morning. And you hope that God would show up. But he hadn't showed up. Listen, he showed up. He showed up already. It just wasn't the way you thought he would show up. How many of you have prayed for something. And God answered it in a totally different way than you had prayed. It's most everybody in here. I sure know that I have. He wants to hear from his children. He wants us to speak to him. 
He wants us to know that we can put our hope and trust in him. My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust this frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Whatever you're hoping for this morning, hope in Jesus' name. God will not let you down. But you've got to be careful and say, God, if I'm asking amiss, show me. If I'm asking the wrong way, show me. And he will show you. Verse 22, early this morning, some of the women informed us of something amazing. This is the guys talking to Jesus. They said they went to the tomb and found it empty, and they claimed two angels appeared and told them that Jesus is now alive. Some of us went to see for ourselves and found the tomb exactly like the women said, but no one has seen him. Jesus said to them, Why are you so thick-headed? Well, tell me what you really think, Jesus. Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? See, we always want Jesus to be nice to us. Sometimes he just says, man, why are you so thick-headed? Remember what he told the disciples? Man, you guys are, what's the matter with you? Why why are you so dull? That's what thick-headed means. Why haven't you got it yet? Wow. Why do you find it so hard to believe every word the prophets have spoken? Wasn't it necessary for Christ the Messiah to experience all these sufferings and then afterward enter into his glory? Let me ask you a question. Why is it so hard for you to believe every word that's written in the word of God? Why do we only want to believe this verse and that verse and this verse and we like to take this one out of context and we'll believe that one because it's nice and it's cool, it's, it's warm and fuzzy, but I don't like that one that says, be ye holy as I am holy. We don't like that verse. Let's just, whoosh, let's just take that one out of the Bible. Oh, there's one in there about hell. Whoosh, let's just take that one out about hell because there's, there's, surely there's no hell. A loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell. But let me tell you something. A loving God doesn't send anybody to hell. You choose it or you don't choose it. Don't blame him if you don't. And listen, why would you want to spend eternity with somebody you hate? Go go spend eternity with, eternity with somebody you love. And see how that works out for you. Hot, hot. We want God. You've heard me say this before. We want him to fit his word to our lifestyle. We don't want to fit our lifestyle to his word. And see, when he was saying this, why haven't you believed the prophets? And he said every word of the prophets. Because they only wanted to breathe, believe the good part of the prophetic word. Not all the other part about the suffering Savior. That's what he was talking about here. The Jews loved it when the prophet spoke of the Messiah King coming back to riding in on a white horse and redeeming them and, and rescuing them from the Romans and from all the slavery that was taking place. Oh man, they couldn't wait for Jesus to come. He comes in on a donkey. His mom and dad are low-life carpenters, and, and man, he's born out in a shed somewhere out in the countryside. That isn't the kind of king they were expecting, even though it was prophesied over and over and over. And he said, why can't you believe every word of prophecy except the ones you want to believe? 
We just pick and choose. Did you know denominations are, are founded on picking and choosing verses? Some pastors, I hear pastors, they preach one message. They preach one message over and over and over. And I think, I think man, the whole Bible, it says we're supposed to be teaching the whole counsel of God. Why, why, why would you just settle on one thing when God says, I've got it all for you? Abundance. I believe this statement also applied to the day of Pentecost. He was setting them up. When Peter would quote the prophet Joel. You need to believe every word the prophet spoke. Not just the ones you want to believe. There are many denominations today that discount. Discount Pentecost. Except for the fact that it was good for them, but it's not good for now. Isn't that amazing? They, they discount Ephesians 4. It says... That he has sent us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And mo many denominations will go, oh, yeah, I believe in the evangelist and the pastor and the teacher. But the apostles and prophets, they died off when the New Testament was completed. See, they pick and choose what they want to believe about that. And they want to believe, oh, that, you know, the Holy Spirit came in power and he came. But that was just for them. That was to kickstart the church. Well, I'm telling you today, I think the church needs another kickstart. And it's going to start with you and me. Verse 27. And Jesus, he carefully unveiled to them. I love this. This is why God hid it from them that he was Jesus at the get-go. Because they wouldn't have listened to this part. I wouldn't have either. I just, oh, Jesus, you're alive. You know? Awesome. I wouldn't have heard the rest of what he had to say. You wouldn't have either. Then he carefully unveiled to them the revelation of himself throughout the scripture. Woo. He started from the beginning and explained the writings of Moses and all the prophets showing how they wrote of him and revealed the truth about himself. We ought to be so thankful that we have the full revelation. The full revelation of Jesus, Messiah. What do you think Jesus told them? Here's what I think he might have said. He went and opened the scriptures to their mind because they had already been versed in the scriptures, okay? And he might have told them about the Messiah, that he was the seed of the woman whose heel was bruised. The blessing of Abraham to all nations. The man who wrestled with Jacob. The high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The voice from the burning bush. The Passover lamb. The prophet that was greater than Moses. The captain of the Lord's army to Joshua. The ultimate king's kinsman redeemer mentioned in Ruth. The son of David who was a king greater than David. The suffering savior of Psalm 22. The good shepherd of Psalm 23. The wisdom of Proverbs and the lover of the song of Solomon. The savior described in the prophets and the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 the princely Messiah of Daniel who would establish a kingdom that would never ever ever end he gave them he told them that the greatest Bible study ever how would you like to have been sitting in on that Bible study 
opening their eyes to the Word of God that had been prophesied, every part of it to them, and they're going, whoa, whoa, this is, more, this is awesome. Teach us more. Oh, man. You see, that's who he is. Thing We don't want to read the Old Testament. He's all through the Old Testament from Genesis 1. All through the Malachi, the end of Malachi, he's all there, even when his name is never mentioned. He's there. We might want to request that one when you get to heaven, that video series. Verse 28. As they approached the village, Jesus walked on ahead, telling them he was going on to a distant place. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, I'm going on to a distant place. <laughs> Where? Uh, heaven. <laughs> right hand of the Father. <laughs> he didn't tell him that. He just said, hey, I'm going. He didn't lie to him, but did he? <laughs> he can't lie, so he's going, I'm, I'm going somewhere you really can't go right now. <laughs> they urged him to remain there, and they pleaded, stay with us. Say, stay with us. <laughs> it will be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village. When was the last time you urged Jesus to stay with you? Oh, Brother Harold, he's always with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. I know he's always there. That's true, and that's religious, but when's the last time you said, Jesus, I'm going through some things. Don't let go of me here. Don't let go of me here. He's not going to, but he just wants us to acknowledge that he's going to with us through whatever we're going through. Stay with He's our best friend. Don't let me go now. I, I need you right now, Jesus. He wants to hear that from his children. I promise you that. So many times we go into situations and we don't ask him to go with us into those situations. We leave him outside the door, even though he's with us in our minds. We've left him out there because we don't think he needs to go in this place that we're going. Some of you guys, you're going after a woman and Jesus, you say, you know that Jesus has already said, that's not the one. Well, why don't you just wait out here, Jesus? I'm going to go talk to her anyway. And it works the other way too, women to men. Because we want to leave him out of some situations in our life because we want to do our own thing. But these guys said, hey, man, you just revealed Scripture to us. Stay with us. Listen, it's going to get dark. Some of you, you've left Jesus, and, and he's here over here in the light, and you've walked out into the dark. And he wants you to say, no, no, come back, come back, Jesus. I need you to walk with me through this. And he'll say, yeah, let's go this way. Stay with us. Stay with us, Lord. Stay with us. It's going to be dark soon. So Jesus went with them into the village, joining them at the table for supper. He took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. Then he gave it to them. All at once their eyes were opened. and They realized it was Jesus. Remember that moment in your life? You've been going through some things. Preacher preached. You heard a sermon. Maybe you read a scripture in a hotel out of a Gideon Bible. I don't know. You're going through some things and 
all of a sudden your eyes were opened and you realized it was Jesus. You realized it was him. I remember that day. I think I'd been to the altar as a kid a hundred times because I was always wanting to get off the sin off my chest. I asked him to forgive me, but there was no repentance. <laughs> a lot of people think, how do you get saved? Well, you just ask God to forgive you. Uh-uh. That's just part of it. He wants you to repent. So at the age of 17, my uncle was preaching. Excuse me. I just went to see him last week in a nursing home. He's 84, 84. And I got to pray with him, took my prayer blanket. I talked to his wife and I said, Charlie said, she asked Charles, Charles, if you could do anything, if you could have anything right now, what would it, what would it be? And he said, I want to keep studying the word. And he, he just spoke to me. He's always speaking wisdom to me. He said, keep on ministering, Harold. Keep on ministering. 84 years old. He can't hardly see. He can't hardly hear. Loves Jesus. He said, loves him. And when he preached that word when I was 17, and I had not been a good kid up to that point, either my brother or I, and I knew it, that I knew, that I knew. It was that day when I said, oh, it's you, Jesus. You really are real. You really do want me. You really want me to give my life to you. You do have a plan for my life. And that began the journey. Joining them. I'm going to go back to 30. Joining them at the table for supper. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And all at once their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. Then suddenly in a flash, Jesus vanished from before their eyes. Stunned, they looked at each other and said, Why didn't we recognize it was him? Didn't our hearts burn with the flames of holy passion while we walked beside him? He unveiled for us such profound revelation from the scriptures. Why don't we recognize him? Why don't we recognize him? When we're going through some things that we think are horrible, we think that this God's forsaken us, why don't we recognize that he's with us at all times? I think, church, that we've got to come to the place where we make a concentrated effort to see him in our circumstances. To really see him in our circumstances. It's not he knows, preacher. Uh, because I know with a crowd this size, some of you are going through some things and you don't recognize him in the midst of it. And my prayer for you this morning is that you would ask him who he is in the midst of your problem. 
midst of your circumstance. Anybody going through anything today? Come on, be honest. You, you going through some things? Ask God who he is in the midst of it. He'll tell you who he is. If it's financially, say, I'm your provider. If it's physical, say, I'm your healer. If you're lost, you'll say, I'm your savior. And on and on and on and on and on. He'll tell you who he is. If there's a vision, he said, I'm, I'm the one that brings unity. If there's pain, he said, I'm the one that brings healing. If there's sorrow, he's the one that will bring joy. He's that kind of God. Verse 33, they left it once and hurried back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples. I'm going to stop right there. They turned around and went back. What does that sound like? Huh? Repentance. Yeah, somebody, you're, I know people are always afraid to go, well, if I say it really loud and I'm wrong, then, you know, I'm that way in conferences. Somebody asks a question, I, well, I think I know the answer, but it might not be the answer that he thinks that we should say. <laughs> but they turned around. They, were going, they would, had gone to Emmaus, and they turned around, and they went back. How did they go back? Faster than they went the other way. And they hurried back. Oh, man, this is a rough trip. What? Jesus? Ah! Let's go. We've got to go tell the disciples. We've got to tell the rest of them. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Woo! I bet, man, I bet they were like Elijah out running the chariot. You know, just can't get back there fast enough. Whether it was 17 miles or 70 miles, it didn't matter. They were going to go back and tell the rest of them, we have seen Jesus. We had some bread with him. He broke bread. We knew it was him. He told us all those scripts. Oh, man, you got to, you can't believe this. We got to tell him. See, when you get into the presence of God, he wants you to tell others about him. Repentance. They turned around and went the opposite way they were going. Woo. When they found the eleven and the other disciples all together, listen, don't you know they were like, where are these guys? Come on, we got to find them. <laughs> they found them. It says they found all the, the other eleven. And they overheard them saying, it's really true. The Lord has risen from the dead. He even appeared to Peter. All right, they were hearing the, the talk. Then they, the two disciples, told the others what had happened to them on the road to Emmaus. Now Jesus had unveiled himself as he broke bread with them. Listen, when you come into the presence of God, he will impact your life. People that say that they got saved and nothing happened in their life, they did not get saved. Just take that one to the bank. Because when the Almighty King of Kings comes in and He saves you, He will change you and He wants you to grow and He wants to, I know there's a process to it, but there should be a passion, a change in the way you think that causes you to want to serve the King. I think that's why we rebaptize so many people because they didn't get it the first time. If they, they thought, I want to get a ticket to heaven. Yay! But they didn't make Jesus Lord of their life. Verse 36. While they were still discussing all this, Jesus had a sense of humor. You know he did. Jesus suddenly manifested right in front of their eyes. <laughs> a 
Well, I thought you locked the door. I thought you locked the door. No, we locked the door. I made sure there was a bar was covered the door. How did he get in here? Who is this? Startled and terrified. See, I know none of us would have been startled and terrified. Jesus, cool. Ah! <laughs> startled and terrified. I love how the, the uh, Passion Translation states it. The disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. Standing there among them, he said, Be at peace. I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why would you be so frightened? Don't let doubt or fear into your hearts, for I am. Come and gaze upon my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves. It is I standing here alive. Touch me and know that my wounds are real. See that I have a body of flesh and bone. He showed them his pierced hands and his feet, and he let them touch his wounds. And the disciples were... Sometimes it's hard to explain being in his presence. You ever been dumbfounded? Ecstatic? You didn't know why the tears were rolling, but they were rolling. I had people, I've had so many people, and Mary Lou can attest to this, and some of the staff. Why do you have so many Kleenex boxes in your church? Then they leave church. They go, oh, man. I know why you have so many Kleenex boxes in your church. Because God shows up. He touches something in your heart. A wound. He said, I can heal that wound. You were abused as a child. I can heal that. And the tears start flowing. You're in the manifest presence of God. And he begins to touch you. And the tears flow. Or you find yourself, I just can't stand up anymore. I've got to, I'm going to have to kneel. I've got to sit down. I can't take this anymore. Or I've got to fall on my face. Because God, His presence is so amazing. I, I don't know what's taking place in my heart right now, but He's doing something in my life right now. The manifest presence of God. It's what it is. Disciples were ecstatic, yet dumbfounded, unable to fully comprehend it. Remember when Jesus was walking along the, the, the shore and he was teaching and he told he saw Peter and he was he was he was cleaning his nets. He said, if you, he said, let's go back out and push out in your boat and let me teach from the boat a little bit. But then let's go on out into the deep and I want you to cast your nets into the deep water. And, and Peter, what was his response? Well, we had fished all night. We hadn't caught anything. You're a carpenter. We're fishermen. We know what we're doing. But he said, OK, I will obey you. Say obey. And they and then they, they threw the nets out into the deep and they caught so many fish, right? And they'd fill up their net and they had to call people over to help fill up their nets because their, their nets were breaking. And when he looked at Jesus and he knew that God had done something amazing, miraculous in his presence in Luke 5, it says, Peter saw this astonishing miracle. He knelt at Jesus' feet and he begged him, go away from me, master, for I'm a sinful man. I don't know what to do in your presence, but get away from me because I can't take it. And sometimes we just need to acknowledge who He is and come into His presence and say, God, I am a sinner. I have failed you so many times, but I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your healing. I thank you for the blood that covers me. Oh, man. I believe that if we ever get past the wonder stage, we are in trouble. If we ever get God wrapped up in this some nice, neat little package and we think we've got all the answers, we are in trouble. 
when we do that, church, that's when we'll start taking His presence for granted. And our faith will just grow cold. Listen to me. That's when Sunday mornings become a drag, a nuisance, not a privilege, not a blessing, and not a joy. That's when Sunday morning comes and you go, man, I don't want to go to church. I've heard all that stuff before. See, if that's you and you're a believer, then your faith has grown cold. I don't want to pray for them anymore. I haven't seen God do anything. Your faith grows cold. You forgot about the presence of God. Now He can move into any situation and change it like that. We get all hyped up for Resurrection Day. Woo, it's Resurrection Day. We need to get there early. We tell the staff to get there. Have your best, you know, be look your best, do your best, have everybody in place. That ought to be every Sunday. Every Sunday. You should get up on, on, Saturday, on Saturday night. You should be preparing for Sunday morning. I can't wait till tomorrow. We get to go. We get to come to the presence of the King. We get to worship the King in a free society, in a free country. We get to do things that nobody else gets to do all over the world. And we take it for granted and our faith grows cold when we do that. It should be that way every Sunday. Instead of dragging in here, oh man. Oh, preacher's got something humorous for me. I need to hear a good joke today. Build up my joy. Why are you laughing? I know I'm not the typical preacher. I don't start with a joke. It's just not that. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't do that. We should look forward every Sunday and look, what's God going to do today? And then Monday, you should say, what's God going to do today? And then Tuesday, what's God going to do today? And Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, what's God going to do today? Sunday's just a celebration day, what he did all through the week. You know, in America, we've made this evangelistic Sunday. But you know, it was never meant to be that. Sunday was, that was the day all the, the believers gathered together to celebrate Jesus. But now we think we got to preach a message of salvation, which we do because there's so many lost people that come into our churches on Sunday. We need to get them saved, and I agree with that. Amen. I got to get a drink. Verse 41. <clears throat> Again, I think Jesus has a sense of humor. Knowing that they were still wondering if he was real, Jesus said, here, let me show you. Give me something to eat. He's already showed him his, his hands and his feet. All the, you know, he's already revealed himself to him. He said, okay, okay, give me something to eat. They handed him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and they watched him eat it. <laughs> I just got to give you this picture that I had in my mind. Okay, what you got for me? And they're all like, sitting around him like, 
Come on. He's, he's, he's going down. He's swallowing. That's what it said. They were ga- they're watching him eat. How many of you like people to watch you eat? I don't. Aren't you funny? <laughs> Nobody likes people to watch this. <laughs> Unless it's your grandchild. Right? Look, he's eating. <laughs> he's eating broccoli. <laughs> so they handed him all this and they watched him eat. <laughs> and then he said to them, don't you remember the words that I spoke to you when I was still with you? I told you that everything written about me would be fulfilled, including all the prophecies from the law of Moses through the Psalms and the writing of the prophets, that they would all find their fulfillment. You know, when Jesus said, give me something to eat, he was just saying, guys, I really want you to know who I am. I want you to believe that I am who I say I am. That's what he was saying to them. Give me something to eat. I'll show you whatever it takes. I want you to know that I am who I say I am. Because if you don't believe me now, then we're in trouble. (laughs) The church, this is how we're going to get the church going. You got to believe that I'm Jesus, the Messiah that I was raised from the dead. You got to believe this. You know how we believe that? By faith. Thomas said, I got to see it to believe it. And he said, well, blessed are those who don't see and believe. That's you. That's me. I'm almost done. Verse 45. Jesus, he supernaturally, say supernaturally, unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. Then he said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what prophesied of me. Christ the Messiah was destined to suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem. For you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired. And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. So stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. Great commission, in case you're wondering. Supernaturally unlocks the scriptures to you. You ever been reading the scripture and go, whoa, light bulb, never saw that before. Supernaturally unlocks the scriptures to you. That's the coolest thing. That's a a neat experience. Guess what? It won't happen if you don't read the scriptures. You won't get that revelation. You just think about, oh, God is good. He wants you to get in his word. Say it every Sunday. Get his word. Let him reveal himself to you. He said, I want to send this power. I want it to fall upon you and wrap around you. I like how it says that. Wrap around you. Come upon you and around you and in you and through you and out of you. Because when that happens, when you get into, the, into his presence and the power of the gospel starts moving inside of you, it will affect the people all around you because you won't be able to contain what God has put within you. I think it's interesting that he said this. He gives them all this revelation. Start right here in Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses. And then he says, but wait. But wait. I want you to go, but before you go, I want you to wait. 
You see, I think if he wouldn't have told them to wait, Randy, if he'd have just if they would have if he'd have just told them to go, guess what they would have done? They'd have gone. <laughs> now, oh, we got all the revelation. We're out of here. See you, Jesus. We're gonna have to go do this thing. He said, No, but no, 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 no. You gotta wait. See, a lot of us we get we get ahead of God. I, I can't tell you how many people I know that used to be into drugs. And they get saved, radically saved by Jesus, and they immediately decide they want to go back to the drug den and tell everybody about Jesus. Then they start shooting up again. Because God didn't tell them to go back and do that. They decided on their own, oh, I got the strength, I got the power, I'm going to go tell them about Jesus. And they fall flat and so fast. And he said, wait, guys, before you go, you need my power. Don't get ahead of God. Don't outrun God. Don't make decisions based upon your flesh. Ask Him what you're supposed to do next. Then finally, in verse 50, Jesus led His disciples out to Bethany. He lifted His hands over them and blessed them in His love. And while He was still speaking out words of love and blessing, He floated. Oh, man, I wish that had some guy wires on me. He just floated. Just floated. I, I love this. He said he floated off the ground into the sky, ascending into heaven before their very eyes. All they could do was worship him, overwhelmed and ecstatic with joy. They made their way back to Jerusalem. And every day they went to the temple, praising and worshiping God. Again, he came as a baby in a stinky barn. Right? Animals. God said, I brought you one way, but I'm taking you out a better way. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And Jesus goes, <clears throat> now, if you didn't get the part about my hands and my feet and that I can eat and that I know everything, watch this. I think that was the icing on the cake, don't you? Like, okay, we get it. Woo, there he goes. He defied gravity. You know why he created gravity? And he's the only one that can defy it like that. We have to have a rocket booster. <laughs> God said, it's time. Come on, son. He's going to come back that way. He's coming back that way. And we're going to see him in the sky. God loves us so much. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants us to be in his presence. He wants us to be wrapped up in his power. He wants to give us everything that we need to walk in this life and to be a successful, bold, powerful witness for the King. He's done it all for us. He's just waiting for us to get into it. He's just waiting for us to follow it, fall into it. He's just waiting for us to go after it. That's what He's waiting for. Would you stand? I know we have a baptism at the end. Is that is that still on? Okay. <laughs> okay, get ready for that. Go ahead. Will the ministry team come quickly? In ministry team, y'all listening to me? We've got Francis, the Holy Spirit told her to bake some bread. And as you minister to somebody, if the Holy Spirit says give them some bread, give them some bread. Okay. I know that's different. That's new, but hey. Might need to give somebody some bread. Jesus is the bread of life, isn't he? Okay.
There's power in the presence of Jesus. He wants us to spend time with Him. How do we do that, church? Through prayer, through His Word, through worship, through what we're doing this morning, fellowshipping with one another, and simply acknowledging His presence in our lives at all times. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, I thank you for your presence today to heal. So if there's somebody here this morning that needs prayer for healing, may this day they say, the presence is thick, I'm coming. And I want to receive what God has for me. If you need healing this morning, the invitation is for you right now. Step out and come and let somebody pray for you. His presence is here to set the captives free. His presence is here to set the captives free. If you're in captivity to an addiction, to a relationship, whatever it looks like, if you're in captivity to something that is not of God, His presence is here to set you free. So when I ask you, if that's you this morning, step forward and let somebody pray for you. We have people in the front, and we have ministry team in the back. He wants to pray. We want to we see the captives set free. Why don't we call it Freedom Fellowship anyway if we're not seeing people set free? I'm going to need my backup ministry teams, too. If you're in bondage to sin this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. His presence is here today, and He is revealing Himself to you. And maybe this is the day that you will, oh, wow, He is real. He just, he just told me. If that's you this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that He came to set you free from the bondage of death. And that's where you're at right now is death. You're, you're at death's door waiting for resurrection power of Jesus Christ through the salvation because of the blood of Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come and get prayer this morning. Just step out and come. We want to pray for you. We want your life to radically change. It's repentance. You thought this way about Christ. You thought you didn't need Him. And today you would repent and say, I need a Savior. I need to make Him Lord of my life. And you would step out and come this morning. I invite you to do that. Some of you here this morning, you've been, you've been wandering from church building to church building. You've, you've, you've just you decided, I, I don't, this church isn't perfect. That church isn't perfect. Guess what? None of us are. None of, no churches are because they're full of imperfect people. But if God, if the Holy Spirit has said, I want you to get planted, if it's here or somewhere else, be obedient to what He's telling you to do today. If it's here... Say, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of a, a, a fellowship that preaches the truth in love. If that's you this morning, we ask you to step out and come forward. We'd, we'd love to pray with you and get you to fill out some information for us. If you're here this morning, can I have some more ministry team come to the front? Charles, Pam, anybody else? Diane? Huh? Okay, I got you. Anybody else is on the backup ministry team? Jeff, can you come up and pray with people? Who's back? Who's available back there? Kristen? Okay, Kristen's back there. Really just had a word. She said, if you're battling suicide, suicidal thoughts, I want to pray with you this morning. There's a lady back here, Kristen Wade. There's a lady back there. There's another lady back there, Terry. Pam and Charles are here this morning. Jeff's here. Jan and Jerry are here. 
Abe is up here. You're battling suicidal thoughts. You might even, and you might be too embarrassed to even step out and come right now. But if, as we close the service this morning, that you would be willing to come and say, I want prayer. Because that, that is a spirit of death working on you. The enemy wants to kill you. But don't participate with that this morning. Participate with the life through Jesus Christ. Any other needs that you have this morning, we want to pray with you this morning. Step out and come. Step out and come. If you're battling like you're frustrated because you're not healing fast enough, you've gone through some sicknesses or surgeries or something like that, and you just feel discouraged, you feel hopeless, I'd love to pray for you. Amen. Step out and come. We're going to pray with you. Anybody else? I don't want to leave anybody out. You need prayer this morning. We want to pray with you. I believe that the Lord has shown up in a very powerful way. Maybe you don't think he can do what he says he can do, but I promise you that he can. And he will if you'll just give him the opportunity. He can and he will. You know, another word for power in the Bible is ability. I know it doesn't sound as romantic or as... It just doesn't sound the same when you say power and you say ability. But it's the same thing. He gives us the ability, the supernatural ability to do things that only He can do through us. So this morning, and if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you'd like to be prayed for, to to step into that supernatural ability that takes you beyond what you've been living, we invite you to come and let us pray for you today. Or would you like to pray for somebody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Hey, would you? Wouldn't that be cool, Judy? Okay. If you, you've never seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was a Christian for 30 years before I did that. And I, I just believed so much of the Bible. I didn't believe the whole thing. And I just believed so much. And there came a place in my life where I said, God, I want everything you have for me. And guess what he did? He gave me, he gave me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want, Harold, I've got more for you to do. You can't do it in, in, in what you've got so far. I want to give you everything I have. I want to, I want to give it to you. And he does it because he loves me. And he does this. He'll do the same thing for you because he loves you. Anybody else need prayer this morning? Okay. You may be seated.